right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Back in the kill house, the the crew is back. DJ Pie is here to my right. Hello, DJ. Hello, guys. How are you? TC is here. Hello, TC. Greetings. Good to be home. It was a fun, fun week of golf, if I may say so. Uh, if you didn't get enough golf through the WGC FedEx St. Jude and the Barracuda Championship, you, there was the U.S. Women's Am. There was the Olympic golf for the women in the Olympics, of course. You may have seen, if you'd watched the Barracuda, you may have seen Eric Van Ruyen in the hunt for his first PGA Tour win. Van Ruyen's one of the subject of Callaway's latest video series, the second installment of their series, The Jump. It is a, it's a look kind of beyond the leaderboard inside the heads of a few Callaway athletes preparing for big career jumps. Uh, this season on Callaway's YouTube channel, it highlights Eric Van Royen, John Rahm, may have heard of him, uh, and Van Dam, Akshay Bhatia, and Will Gordon. Uh, in addition to seeing a very impressively organized shoe collection in Van Royen's garage, there's plenty to learn about all these athletes, their backgrounds, their motivation. Uh, interesting note about the John Rahm episode. The plan was to talk about his the jump being his switch to Callaway in his quest to win a major, and the filming was scheduled for the week after the United States Open Championship. <laughs> that worked so out well. Had to do a little bit of a pivot on that storyline, but uh, and also a fun fact we learned on the jump in season one had an episode about Sam Burns, who obviously just finished second place at the WGC that we're going to talk about. He can operate an excavator. True story. If you didn't know that, you would have learned that from the jump. He's Freddie's favorite player. Is he really? That's because a great that. team because of the excavator. Neil's favorite player also because of the mustache. You can catch the episodes on Callaway's YouTube channel. Again, that's The Jump Season 2 with Akshay and Van Dam, Rom Van Royen, and Will Gordon on Callaway's YouTube channel. I think we start with the FedEx St. Jude, WGC FedEx St. Jude Championship Challenge Invitational. I, I, I kind of honestly lost track of it there. Uh, look, Jim Nance had, had difficulty with the, with the title at one point as well, but... Is the story Abe Answer's first win or everyone else shitting the bed today? A little bit of both, I think. Uh, good for Honest Abe. TC, as you've told us many times, guys literally never told a lie. Never. He also chopped on a cherry tree when uh, he was young. You know, only matter of time. I think they said that a bunch on the broadcast. Couldn't agree more. Guy seems like he's been in contention forever. Uh, I could, it was almost kind of shocking to be reminded that he hadn't won. It just seemed like he had picked off a, a fall event or some early season event or something last year. Uh there's just so many events. It's kind of shocking that he hadn't got one with how much he's in contention. And He almost won Heritage last year, which is the one I keep thinking that he yes. did win. Webb got him by one shot. Uh, but just an awesome, awesome finish, man. Cool to see him. Both him and Sam Burns kind of nut up in that second playoff hole, stick wedges in there close. Kind of bummed to see Sam Burns with a violent, vicious lip out there. But uh, happy for Honest Abe. Seems like a very, a very solid dude. Abe has just very steadily progressed through his career. And, you know, I think a lot of people probably look at him, and I probably because they say this on the telecast too, but just assume he just puts the absolute lights out, and that's the only reason he can contend, just because he's not tall in stature, which I think was highlighted when they did him dirty last year on those microphones that they had set up in between. That was the best. <laughs> they didn't change the height of it from Finau to Abraham Answer, but he is a legit one of the best ball strikers out there. I mean, he is a strokes gain machine off the tee and with approaches. Uh, his putting has been solid in the last couple of years. It was never a strong point really up until 2020, but 
yes, has gained in strokes gained every single year since 2017, since 2016, really, going from a negative strokes gained player all the way to positive 1.43, which I know those numbers can, you know, mean a lot or not mean a lot to you. Positive 1.43 is an elite PGA Tour player. Right. That's a really, really good player. That's almost six shots better than the average Tour player throughout the course of a tournament, and that that's going to make you a lot, a lot of money. He's got 30, uh, 30 top tens, or sorry, twenty top tens uh, since since the beginning of twenty seventeen, mm. and and he won he won the Australian Open. That's so true. People that's, forget that's that. a legit win. Finished second to the McRib earlier this year. Wells Fargo. He's poked around so many times, and and I think is probably the most notable thing is just the the President's Cup. Right. Right. He's just not, he he's a dog. He I mean, is. He's, he's a certified dog. I, I would fully co-sign that. I think also the most notable thing is he, of course, was the victim of that Tiger Woods walk-in in singles <laughs> match after saying he wanted to play Tiger. Also, they should give him comeback player of the year after that. <laughs> I believe it's the Courage Award now. They should re-resurrect that and, and make sure uh, Honest Abe gets it. Not only is the WGC a bigger purse than than normal PGA Tour events, also there's a lot of sponsorship bonus money that comes with uh, you know a, a tour win. Imagine that for <laughs> Abe Answer. It is maximized out. Right sleeve, right chest, left chest, left sleeve, left collar, right collar, back of the nape, and all four spots on the hat he's got sponsors. His agent is the hardest working man in the business. It's all, I mean, heck, he's probably lobbying the tour to give him a special exemption for, you know, left buttocks, right yeah, buttocks, all no the stuff we talked about in the... Uh, in the uh, commission or the, the the player handbook pod, we're not calling them out for anything illegal. They're all of, of appropriate size, and the 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 bot the count I believe is accurate. It's he doesn't have more than eight on his on his shirt, but uh, it's just it's impressive. It's very impressive. He's deep in with big oil too. Big. He's got, he's he's got mobile. <laughs> he's a wildcatter. He's got the uh, he's got the drilling. <laughs> Uh, one on there. He's a he's a true wildcat. Veritex Bank. He's got he's got all of them. Abraham's sponsors will will number the stars, as I mentioned today. <laughs> he, he might be big tax. It's possible. <laughs> I like that. I think he lives outside of San Antonio, right? He Who does. He does. Sam Burns, uh, as you mentioned, got, honestly, I kind of did a little double take when I realized he was going to be in the playoff. Yeah. Like, I remember him making the big putt oh, on eighteen, totally. and I was like, oh god, he's going to t three. That's a great finish for Sam. And I was like, oh my, oh shit, he's actually going to be in the playoff. Uh, who do we talk meltdown first, Bryson, Harris, or Cam Smith? I think you got to start with Harris. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the you know Harris got it to what, 20, 21? 20 under. And yeah. we finished at a playoff at 16. <laughs> so, I mean, I think we got to start there. But probably. did you see the gap that Cam Smith tried to hit it we'll, through? Trust me, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, that was unbelievable stuff from Harris. And I, I don't know how deep we want to get into it now and, and – you know, where there's any blame to lay or if any, but uh, he was talking kind of nonstop about the pace. I know you picked up on that kind of him saying that into the mic. Like I just got to hate playing rushed, but he, he kind of started to look like Neil out there when, uh, when Neil gets a group behind him and it just turns into a total shit show. To clarify, he didn't like get picked up on the mic. He said it like loud and like he wanted somebody to hear, like he wanted yeah. almost like he wanted Bryson to hear, like he's walking off the green on one of them. And it wasn't like a man, I hate being rushed. It was like a, I hate being rushed kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't comment on it when it happened, but it very much seemed pointed, guided, and he just was – I'm of two minds here. I don't think – I do not think in any way Harris is blameless for this, right? That There is a curveball that's thrown at you. Part of being a professional athlete is when things are not going to plan, that you have a plan in place and that you are able to handle that. And he did clearly did not handle that very well. Yet, I've, I mean, I've never seen – I don't know if I can recall seeing somebody get so flustered by – 
the clock that being yeah. being I don't even know if, were they officially put on the clock. They said they were warned twice about their position. And I don't know if that means they never clarified if that means being put on the clock. You have a rules official in the booth. Help us out with that, I think. Guys, but, we're going to warn you three more times before you before we put you on the clock. No, before we warn you that uh, the next phase of warnings that we're going to put you on. I think he kind of let Bryson off the hook a little bit in some of his post-round comments, too, if you saw the transcript. He was there. very, very deflective of, of any Bryson blames. It, totally not his fault. It just happens when you got to get rulings, and then they had the kind of shit show on 11. Which I kind of agree with. Totally. Like, I, no, I, totally yeah. agree. Yeah, I don't, it, I don't think it was Bryson's fault. I mean, I'm sure Bryson's not... But some the of fastest too, guy, but we, we don't. Bryson having to step off of right. shots because guys are, you know. We don't totally. I'm, I'll, I'll get out ahead of this because I'm sure there'll be plenty of uh, Bryson pinata-ing uh, later on. But he uh, he doesn't get a ton of credit for massively picking up his pace of play. He's still slow as fuck, though. He is, but it was like laughably like comic book slow uh, beforehand. Like, and, like and villainous. And he's just like moderately breaking the rules slow. <laughs> Point is, I don't think it was totally his fault today, but yeah, it, it was crazy. Was not, yeah. I'm with you that I I can't recall somebody like just coming totally unglued the way Harris did. He was hitting the ball faster than he needed to. I mean, yeah. you get 40 seconds when you're put on the clock. When you so if you're not familiar with the rule, you can basically take as long as you you know you want to if you are keeping pace with the group in front of you. You're not being timed unless your group falls out of position. And if you're out of position, you are your first time over 40 seconds. Uh, if you're the second player to hit or your first time over 50 seconds, if you're the first player to hit, that results in a warning. And the second time you are penalized one shot. So not only that, he and you, but you, the, the, he wasn't even officially warned as far as I know that he was over time, right? So you still have that built-in buffer. Your first bad time is only going to be a warning. And he was rushing through shots as if, you know, before that warning even came. I think once you have the warning, then it's like, all right, shit, I cannot get another bad time. And just look at how he said he rushed the shot on, what's the part three, 15, 14? He says he rushed the shot on that, and it cost him two shots. Yeah. So it's a combination of, like, just a hard end. Like, it's impossible to write these rules to properly address the situation and also him not handling it very well. Yeah, I mean, maybe he just doesn't want to get fined either. Maybe he's he's, he's played with some slow players already this year, and and uh, he just doesn't want to get fined. He's already up to eight, <laughs> nine, ten, something like that. I believe uh, he said that they w were timed on twelve, so they were put on the clock after the after, after the mess on eleven, after okay. the double and the triple. Yeah, but in, nothing in there that he would uh, had received that warning for the first one, right? I'm, so I'm not sure. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, that's it, it. It honestly looked like he was just trying to get it in the house. Had already missed the cut. Like that's the pace that he was playing with. Like the <laughs> lack of days nature, which he played the 16th hole. There's no excuse for that. I mean, it's the easiest hole in the golf course. He made bogey on it and ends up one shot out of the playoff. I don't. I don't feel bad for him in that regard. I think it. It just. Everyone has those rounds of golf where they get crabby, they get really uncomfortable. And I, I've been that in that spot where like the rest of your group is taking a long time and you feel like you have to rush and it's it feels unfair. So I know that feeling, but man, at the highest level, it's just a kind of a surprising thing to see. Lit four hundred thousand dollars on fire. Yeah. Speaking of which. And <laughs> like at a point where the Ryder Cup points would have been extremely important for him. I Think he's probably in good shape to get a spot, and we'll get there. But like that would have been a lot of points, and possibly shifted him up into sixth place. Yeah, um, if I'm doing the quick math on the standings, so that seemed hurts. like he he wouldn't have had to be heroic 
to uh, slam the door on his Ryder Cup case today. You know, it's <laughs> it, it, regardless if it got him in the points, right, three right. wins you're getting on the team. Yeah, right. Three wins in one season and a close call at the Palmetto. Like, yeah, he he's ninth coming into this week and was about two million two thousand points behind sixth place um, with with Xander. So I think this is kind of an underrated golf course. Um, especially the back nine. I think it just it forces you to hit golf shots. Yeah. You gotta you gotta execute. You gotta drive the ball in the fairway. Small greens. I think that's that's part of it. Is like there there is trouble out there. There's some like next week at at uh, Wyndham. There's not a whole lot of trouble out there, and and we'll see. You know, and granted, arguably that's probably a better golf course next week. But uh, but I, I think I get so frustrated when down the stretch there's nowhere. There's no variance. There's nowhere to miss. Yeah. And 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 here there's a lot of a lot of variance. A lot of, you know, like I mean 18 for instance. Like that's a that's a challenging driving hole. Uh both those par 3s are very, like there's there's shit everywhere. Watching 11 was awesome today. Yeah. yeah. I would yeah. say underrated the PGA Tour yeah. golf course, right? Yeah. It's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of I, I don't love a ton of water hazards being the hazard, but at the highest level, it usually makes a lot of sense. Well, and I think you know I don't think the time of year that they that they have this event does them any favors no. as far as course conditioning and all that. It's probably super firm and and you know a lot better test in September or October after the thunderstorms kind of die off. And it also just shows the difference that just a little bit of wind can make. Yeah. First three days were just throwing darts all day and score. I forget what the I don't know what the scoring average ended up being today, but at one point it was four shots higher than it was on even the second hardest day. And like that shot on 11 is only hard if the wind is there, right? Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's a pitching wedge to the middle of the green. And yeah, gosh, I just, just Harris' whole course management today was really frustrating to watch. Bryson was, Bryson was Bryson today, just being a chode the whole day pretty much and didn't really have it and had a pissy attitude the entire day. It was obviously Harris's golf tournament to lose and, and he lost it. 2.6 shots higher today. Oh, that's it. Yeah, interesting. There were a lot of 62s and 63s this week, which is was just wild. Yeah, and I hadn't, you know, we were filming our tour sauce uh, season, so I didn't really watch a ton of early week, but I was pretty plugged in today, and you could kind of see some of those fairways running out. I think, especially as the wind was picking up and things were starting to firm up, that you know, you mentioned that tee shot on 18 was yeah. was sneaky tough. They kept talking about uh, Abe Answers ball, but. It was actually it was fun to watch him try to you know you had to hit a draw you had to keep it off those bunkers keep it off that right rough and Hideki was uh, to quote Bryson living on the razor's edge there with a couple of those approach shots into the uh, into the the playoff greens but yeah I'm with you it was it was a very enjoyable back nine I think partially for the the Schadenfreude of uh, <laughs> watching a lot of guys light themselves on fire but uh, it, it was I I agree with you I've always kind of thought that too a little bit of an underrated. For a, from a PJ Tour perspective, a little bit of an underrated golf and course. And I think also just, I mean, looking at the guys that were involved, running it down, Answer, Burns, Matsuyama, English, Berger, Paul Casey, Cam Smith, Will Zalatoris, Bryson, DJ, Poulter, Rory, Spieth, Scheffler, Webb, Bob McIntyre. Like, those are... Ball hitters. Are fucking studs. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's if we're talking about courses that kind of give us a reprieve from bomb and gouge, this is a, this is one. Which I mean, Bryson's up there, but you know, Bryson did doesn't hit a lot of drivers on this golf course. Yeah, and the the numbers check out too. It's a course that emphasizes approach play more than it does driving distance compared to a normal PGA Tour course. In that regard, it's it's fun, it's fun to see a golf course that somebody like, like those three varying styles that you saw in the playoff are able to compete. And Bryson right there, of course, and. Harris English right there. It's hard for it to really feel like a truly elevated event, and it's an event that's not going to be a WGC anymore, which we'll get to by the end of this. It's but. going to the next level. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> I can't tell if it's getting demoted or promoted to a playoff event. That's a good sign Maybe for the, neither, stati- right? the status of the schedule. I, I, you know what? I think Burger, we might be living in the world. Just real quick, we might be living in the world of like where where everything's an elevated event. It's possible nothing's an elevated event. Like that that kind of seems like the whole the whole problem with the PJ Tour schedule. But lots of good stuff in the PJ Tour schedule too, which I'm sure we'll, yeah. we'll get to. As it's well. overall very positive. I, I would say. Um, I would say also Hideki making a playoff without with while losing 1.4. Literally didn't make a putt. Strokes <laughs> to the field and putting this week. He actually had a good putting day today. In route to the 63, but uh, yeah, just can't putt, and it's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's funny that that's even amazing, even mildly of a shocking statement that like you know he shot 63 and he actually putted pretty decent too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you know, props to him for showing up and and playing well this week too on the yeah. on the heels of it's gonna be exhausting. probably a pretty exhausting week yeah. in Tokyo as well. Hideki's uh, fun to watch, man. I mean, I know this is we've we've kind of said this about a bunch of guys, but you need to have the the majors just add so much context these guys right i mean you just when hideki's out there now like you just look at him in a completely different way just knowing that he's a major champion master champion like he just has so much more so much more context about him and i i've never really i don't know i've never really felt too much about him one way or the other you know he's just I, obviously he's among the probably five best ball strikers in the world but uh you know, just have never really felt all that much but Seen him in the playoff today after everything we've seen from him this year. It's like, oh, come on, Hideki. Like this. He's got some gravitas. Yeah, it's great. So good for him. That that's well deserved. Hideki was number one in strokes gained approach in round three by almost two shots. <laughs> then was then was number one again in approach the green in round four by 0.8 shots. So like over the course of the weekend, the strokes gained approach for him was I don't even I can't even do the math on on who was even second in that part as far as how badly he blew the field away. Speaking of strokes gained and, and a potential, you know, alt shot partner for Hideki, Cam Smith. Yeah. Can we talk about the putting this week? I was trying to before, segue. Before we go into the, <laughs> the meltdown today, can we talk about the putter? Sure. The first, because he had what? He had 93 putts this week. He had 18 putts in 18 holes. 18 putts on, in round two, which <laughs> is, is obviously very clearly incredible. But what also what Strokes Kane tells us, he did not have the best putting day of the field that week. How many times did he chip in that day? I don't know. Uh, he must have held at least three from off the green. Um, but eight, 18 putts is just a very comical number to see in a round. Ty's PGA Tour I mean, Neil was saying he's he's had uh, – <laughs> he kind of averages like 36, 37 around. So. so Cam Smith, the four rounds, 24 putts, 18 putts, 26 putts, 25 putts. That's not a lot of putts. And they're small. I know they're small greens. Little ass greens. But still, that's wild. Which gets us to his meltdown. Also, Cam Smith was negative strokes gained approach this week, which is like it's a, that's harder to do than strokes gained putting. I think some of that though was was just today, like he because he was he was in really good shape. Strokes gained approach. Three of his four rounds were negative, negative uh, on the week in strokes gained. But yeah, he cost himself two shots immediately on that last hole, which. Gosh, they were talking about this window that he had up there, and th- the cameraman has an earpiece clearly because he's he just pans up directly to the sun, and I was like, "Yo, there is not <laughs> a window up there. What was he seeing?" I I don't know. This is kind of the definition of one of those moments where it's like, "Listen, these guys are professional golfers, professional caddies. There has to be something that they're seeing that we're not seeing on TV." So I, I'll reserve some sort of benefit of the doubt, but from where I was sitting, it was a very like. Holy shit, dude! What are you doing? Why? What are you doing? He's trying to win the golf tournament. He did. He didn't want to go to a playoff. He's trying to win the golf tournament. I mean, your best case scenario out of there is, <laughs> is to make the playoff. This golf tournament. <laughs> 
Which, before he even got up there, the rules official was waiting there for him and pointing out the option of TIO relief. I don't know if you caught that. Like, literally, as they're setting the bag down, the, the rules officials pointed that, pointed that could have TIO relief. The official just rolls his ball back out to the fairway. <laughs> no, just drop it somewhere in there is good, man. Uh, gosh, that ball hitting. I've been there where it hits the tree, and you just know your ball is OB. Like, he makes the look over his oh, right yeah. shoulder to see the ball go OB. That was very tough, especially because he punches the next one out, chips it up to gimme range. Almost and, makes it. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah. makes what would have been the par. Uh, to miss the playoff. I don't know if there shots. was some confusion. Like, it didn't sound like it from his post-round comments. Like, was there any confusion on, you know, what Harris was doing? Or maybe he thought he needed birdie or par wasn't going to be good enough. I don't know. Yeah, it's wild, it's true. Man. Who could say? That was that was a very, very wild uh, wild decision. A few guys that, that kind of leaked oil today. Uh, Dustin Johnson, Poulter, Scotty Scheffler. Mm. Um, you know, kind of all within striking distance of... of you know, top five at least, and and kind of faded a little bit today. I do want to give Rory a shout out. Well, 66, 66 on the weekend. Mm. To not win. To not win. That to of not. officially hitting. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. Usually Solly's in charge, but that's officially Mackenzie Hughes. It, 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 and it's actually, well, granted, it's only a par 70, which I know the Hondo is, I think, is also a par 70, but. He finished 66, 66, 66. Mm. Three in a row, Friday through Sunday. One and a half Mackenzie Hughes's. If you guys had to guess where Rory is in the FedEx Cup right now, what would you guess? 19th. Yeah, I was going to say like 17th. 25th. Mm. Okay, that feels about right. I mean, it's, it's still been like a, by the measure of a normal person, it's you know been a very solid year. Will he make the Tour Championship? For sure. I think he will. Yeah. I would think so too, but that's his Super worth, Bowl. Worthy right? question. Was it Liberty National, uh, Caves Valley, and yeah, I guess those are the only two. I don't have a ton to to share about Caves Valley, but Liberty National, he's played a bunch. I'm sure he'll play well. Caves there. Valley is the Foz, baby. It's he, a it's like Quail Hollow right. style Foz. Uh, this was the Cam Smith quote, by the way. After that shot, he said, "Yeah, there was a little gap up there. I had to hit." Like a medium flight draw, and I tried to hit it. I mean, I wanted to win. I didn't want to chip out and leave my chances in Harry's hands. He was still 16 under at the time. I wanted to make sure I had a good look at birdie, and I just didn't execute it. Which, on one hand, like every bone in my body is like, fuck yeah, man. Like, I that the hell out of is it. sick. Uh, on the other hand, it's like, that might have cost you like a half a million dollars. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, so good for, I mean... Seriously, good for him for for going for it. Because if he would have pulled it off, it would have been probably among the more impressive shots I've ever seen in my life. But yeah, and I'll give shout credit to the CBS crew. They were they were not second guessing <laughs> no. that. They were first guessing that <laughs> very much. Usually they're quick to second guess it. You know, when the ball goes in the water, Faldo all of a sudden, what what is he doing? I I do love with Nance. Uh, he doesn't do it often. He he very he he reserves this. He keeps it in, up his sleeve for moments where he's. He knows he's dead right, and it always makes me laugh when he he gets into like even he gets into analyst mode. It's just like yeah, you know, you gotta you gotta second guess that one. That, <laughs> that was uh, that was a pretty interesting choice there. I was listening on the radio. My hitters on the radio were a little bit befuddled as well. The chief Earl Forsey, yeah, total pro, of course. Was this before or after Faldo commented on the seventeen year old? I think it was, this was before. before. Okay, it that was, was before. That was questionable. That was on brand. <laughs> Grayson Murray-esque. Not good. Bryson. Can we talk about Bryson's golf for now? Bryson had a lot of... Uh, we've been 
<laughs> keep talking about the sketch show. I, you know, I think you should leave. Bryson had a lot of, uh, I don't even want to be around anymore energy on that back nine. Front nine. He chipped in on what hole was that, five? And then just, yeah. like, it just had zero emotion after yeah. it. I was like, this dude is in a crabby, crabby mood today. And uh, I, I did, I'm assuming in, he blew off media, I'm assuming, for, for the fourth straight day. He was not listed on the on the transcripts, so I would have to assume so. Hate that. Um, that would have been really enjoyed reading about what excuses he would have had he cooked up for today. But. He didn't yell four again this week? Didn't yell four again this week. Got called out by a bunch of the crabby Euros. Blandy. <laughs> Richard Bland. Uh, Bert Wiesberger, Eduardo Molinari all called him out. Um <laughs> Didn't didn't yell four again today? Which I mean, it's rare that you get those two one percent events in in the same week. And obviously, White this squalls. is something that's this is something that's very controversial. Yeah, so, yeah, it's disappointing you're bringing it I up. I can't believe it's unfortunate this. that you're bringing it up. His fellow players brought that uh, up. You know, Bob McIntyre in the field. I would like to see Bob Bobby Mac go up to him on the range, put a finger in his chest, say, it's, "Come on, mate." You know, we don't do that out here. Yeah. <sighs> This is such a. I, I truly can't tell if this is a bit that people are upset about this. If I, if it's just me, well, it's just such a message that it, he's he's. It is, but it's also such, care so such, much more. I, I, yeah, I, yes. Like it, it shows that you think you're bigger than the game, and that he's such a piece of shit. <laughs> and like I think I've like I've had so many people be like, "You're way too hard on Bryson. You're way too hard on Bryson." For the last three or four years, as I've been yelling from the rooftops, like this is a truly fucking bad human being he's a legitimately awful person and he just keeps show when when somebody shows you their true colors let them right well and he, he did his whole after he made bogey on 15 today the camera followed him to the walking off the green turns to the camera and like mockingly waves and smiles at the camera as in like oh you're following me again after a, you know trying to catch me in a bad moment that's bad for my brand and even the caddy kind of looked over like Oh fuck! What have I signed up for here? <laughs> uh, it was it was just tough. The ruling, the ruling he got early in the round with the fence was tough, but I think by all technical aspects, was fine with part me. of the rules. Yeah. Um, his ball rested underneath the property boundary or the fence, temporary fence, and it was in by like a fraction of a dimple. According to, of course, Ken Tackett gets the ruling yet again. Every time something Bryson related happens, Ken Tackett is there. And so he's standing on the car path and his nearest point of relief. It, it feels wrong that the nearest point of relief would relieve you from a ball that's basically up against a fence and out of bounds. But, uh, that Because the nearest point would be out of bounds, you get relief from the car path. But I guess it, it is what it is. That was A lot of people were yelling at the TV when that happened, but that, I, that wasn't Bryson's fault. The rules official yeah. gave him that option, so which was probably right. Anyways. Anyways, Bryson played like absolute shit. Um, he shot 41 on the back on a part 35. <laughs> yeah. He it, shot 31-30 it, it the two days prior. Too. They, they mentioned it uh, on there, but it felt a ton like Torrey Pines. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it was like, did he pick the wrong club in a lot of spots and, and all that? Yes. He also did get some like horrific bounces. Uh, but also, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of golf. And so constantly seeing him as like the, I can't believe I just got that bounce guy is... Is pretty on brand because that guy sucks. Uh, and and also as get, as, as a mathematician, that. That scientist, that, that felt pointed at me. <laughs> as a at, yeah, it probably was. as I a just, mathematician, I, I bounce. scientist, etc. Uh, he should know that these bounces are, you know, everything evens out exactly. In the end, right, exactly. It's almost like he's a junk scientist. <laughs> I mean, what a fucking idiot! Like truly.
We haven't even got to the idiot part yet. Which... He's living in a TikTok house in Plano. He looks like Barry Bonds <laughs> with, with the size of his head. He should... <laughs> He's sweating and all. I mean, just he should... put it together, folks. He should get the Barry Bonds earring. That would complete the ethos. <laughs> the Barry Bonds earring was sick. <laughs> with, that, with the hat. Remember when we wanted to do that as a, as a pouch of misery? Yeah. Getting the clip on Barry Bond earring. I think Bryson's probably just like very fried of being in the spotlight. And, and that's all his own fault. And no, but all he, of this he never has, asked to be famous. All of so. this has snowballed to a point where it just seems like he's truly, really fucking miserable. And, and I... Have a little bit of empathy for that. I feel bad that 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 looks like it really sucks. It I doesn't have zero. It, it, does, it doesn't look I've like done. it's it doesn't look like it's fun to be Bryson right now. Here in Shane, you just pointed me to some of Shane Ryan's tweets. Yeah, uh, him talking about following Bryson on that back nine and just like, I mean, Shane used the word the word bullied. He said like, dude, it's just people who think they're being funny, just constantly firing Brooks shots at them and all of that stuff, which. Yes, there are a million things Bryson says. I'm not apologizing for Bryson. He's, I, I will stay very consistent on my record of he seems like a massive tool. I don't want to don't want to spend any time with, but uh, it just seems like it's all really aggregated and snowballed into something that just looks like a really pretty miserable existence the last couple of months. I do agree that that stuff's ugly. That you know all that's ugly, but you know I think he just like it's he's just got all this negative energy about him anyway, right? Totally. And, you know, we have, of course, Brooke, uh, Bryson saying, like, oh, I think it's absolutely flattering what they're doing. They can keep calling me that all day if they want to. I've got no issue with it. And then an audible uh, from, a, from a female yelling out, let's go, Brooksy, just a big pause. And he just goes, good one. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. Kind of, but he's very clearly butthurt with it. And, like, of just, course he is. But what's he supposed to say? Like, no, this really bothers me. Please stop. Like you think that's gonna help? Well, just but his to your point of to your Barry Bonds point, his mood swing from his Saturday post round interview to like him moping around the front nine today, it's like hmm, hmm, dude. Honestly, guys, like him, him not you know maybe it was uh, you know maybe he did have COVID or whatnot, but like (laughs) maybe he didn't right, and maybe the like he's been a different player the last however long since Olympic testing ramped up. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's crazy what that man will and will not put in his body, which we'll get to that. But before we do, everyone's favorite time of year, right around the corner, college football season, and to celebrate it, the DraftKings Sportsbook, which is America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting new players in the center of the action with $200 in free bets instantly if you bet $1 or more on any college football game. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard it right. DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any college football game, no matter what. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts that they're offering. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, located right here in the United States, so it's easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code NLU to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any college football game. That's promo code NLU to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. For a limited time, only the DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers, only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, 1-800-9 with it. Maybe your best one yet. Mm. That was a pretty solid effort. That was really good. Uh, anything else from FedEx? I think it's just interesting. I guess we can talk about this in a bit, but to see who the guys that are playing 
FedEx versus the guys that are playing Reno. Like Gary Woodland's out in Reno. Really? Yeah. That's wild. Truly. He has not had a good season. He's 20th on the Ryder Cup standings in playing playing Barracuda. Maybe we should take a look at how those Ryder Cup standings (laughs) are calculated, huh? Should we be counting majors from 2019 in this? Hmm. Thank you, TC. I did not know that. Uh, I bet there weren't too many other guys battling it out to move up a spot in the rankings, in the Ryder Cup rankings out in in Reno. But... Uh, you want to talk a little women's Olympics? Yeah, please. that was delightful. And you know what? I want to give, uh, I just want to say, I had. I felt like that was rapid fire golf that we were watching, at least, uh, you know, the final round there. Like it was, it was exactly how I would want a golf broadcast to look. It was, the pace was proper. It was, they were just so dialed into the action of the tournament and like the announcers were not, and this is not a backhanded compliment. They were not putting you to sleep like with the action, right? It's usually you just they just drone on during normal PGA Tour broadcasts or whatever. This just felt it felt elevated. And I want to I want to ask the question. I guess uh, we got a good question in relation to this. Rick Weatherby said, "Why did it feel like the women's Olympic golf had more juice than the men?" I have to, my theory, but I want to hear you guys' thoughts. Well, to me, I think it's it's fairly simple. Just in that there's so many men on the record of like saying how much they don't care about it. Right. Right. I mean, the, the women, you never see that. It seems like they are absolutely thrilled to be there. I think the women's game in general is probably, uh, I would have to double check this, but it seems a little more just worldly week to week anyways. I mean, yeah. so many more countries involved, so many more tournaments around the world. It just seems like more of a global, a global game on the women's side anyways. And the Olympics feels like kind of a natural uh, culmination of that right and so when when all your superstars are totally bought in like yeah that that's gonna make a big difference uh, opposed to someone like rory who for reasons i think all of us completely understand he's from a very complex place like he just totally was was so apathetic about being there in the lead up and you know seemed like he had a good time and played well and and all of that but uh yeah i mean that makes a difference when you're when not only are world number whatever one two three four skipping uh a bunch of people out with covid i mean a lot of people you know dustin johnson brooks people just like nah no smell you not interested i'll see you guys in memphis also the, uh that like that's gonna make a big fucking difference yeah it's it's right like it's not it, it's not like it lines up well with the lpga tour schedule either right right they were in france yeah. for the major then they went over there then they've got the the Women's Scottish Open this week. Women's British Open next week. I mean, there's a there's a lot of big ass tournaments going on for them. There's their major seasons a little bit later in the summer, and and yet they all showed up with bells on. I think it speaks. A big factor is just that the LPGA Tour and women's golf in general is not bathing in a in just yeah. an embarrassment of riches, right? Just they have more for them. They the have a do. big they have big tournaments, they have big majors. Their majors stand out so much more than the regular tour event, you know, regular tour events. And the PGA Tour and and men's golf in general has just had so much money influxed into it and so many big events that like the Olympics feels like a stop on tour. Yeah. Whereas for the women it felt feels like something that it just feels like a legit thing you have to think about for the men's side is like, ah, there's like $15 million up for grabs here totally. at the end of this year. Like it benefits me not at all to go to Japan for that. Like, why would I do that? Versus for the women's game, they have the million dollar prize that comes with the race to the CME globe, but 
it is, and not to say they do it all for marketability, but for sponsorship wise and, and their marketability as athletes, being an Olympian is a bigger deal than it would be to men. Yeah. That fair to say? Yeah. So it, it's, it's easier to get into it in that regard. I felt like I was watching something significant for each person that was going through it. And I didn't feel that on the men's side. Except for Team Rose. Because nobody sure. will ever get more mileage out of a medal than he did. But he also had won the FedEx Cup. Like he had, you know, yeah. cashed in a, a ton of money. Some simple questions from Connor J. Wilden over an, over under 10 and a half gold medals for Nelly Corda. Mm, I'm going to have to think on that. I put this in the agenda when I thought Neil was going to be on the show tonight. Also from uh, Knighted. That would take her to what, about 20, 2065, something like that? Knighted Puss. She says, won them all. <laughs> where does this gold medal rank for Nelly among her 12 majors? Again. Sorry, that's uh, well, for Neil. Yeah, I almost feel like we should give Neil this one to make the race a little more interesting. That's fine. So she's yeah. at two now. I, sure. think, I think going back to the actual <laughs> golf, like talking Nine about... Nine more, baby. Um, there were a lot of like a lot of players involved that final day. Um, and, and a lot of like non-superstars, Yeah, right? Which almost made it kind of interesting. I think that was cool on the men's side. I didn't watch a ton of the men's side. I know I will probably keep saying this, but we were on the road, so didn't get to watch everything we wanted to watch. But... Having like some kind of random names up there and having CT Pan get a medal and like some of that stuff is is kind of interesting, especially, you know, given the context of stars kind of opting out and what the the Olympics means and all that stuff. But we saw a lot of that with like a Didi Ashok and and some of the people that were were up there. It was like, man, a, a medal would be kind of a life changer for for some of these people, which is really cool. I think uh you know, on that front too, it definitely helps that you've got three things to play for. I know yeah. we've talked about that before. Um I thought the the court. I know it was hot as shit there with the that tsunami rolling in and all or the typhoon, all that stuff. Not tsunami, tropical storm. Uh, tropical storm. Uh, but yeah, it was it was uh, the course was like just watching it. It was firm. It was fast. It looked wonderful. It, it played that way for the women. Yeah, yeah. And they definitely. I thought they moved up. They moved up a couple of tees, which was made it so much more interesting. And and like that short par four was un yeah. was so much fun to watch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did a great job setting like to checking in on like that seventeenth hole of like, hey, here's yeah. Yukasaso playing the seventeenth. Here's little what the leaders little preview. Yes, yeah. here's what the leaders are going to face and the opportunity that's going to come in the final groups of like, she just made a two here. If you cover this bunker and hold the green, you can do it too. And like bailing right was not a good place to be because you're chipping downhill. All that stuff was working, and it just speaks to like watching the men play. The little bit that we were able to watch, like it was just you could spin it and stop it anywhere you wanted yeah. to. It was just a typical. It was on the easy side of PGA Tour courses, whereas the way the women spin the ball, and the 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 launch angle that they put it in at, how well that course played compared to how it did for the men, just speaks to a lot of what you know the issue. It, it's first of all, it's awesome to see men and women play the same course back to back weeks. Yeah, Pinehurst 2014 was fantastic, and how that hasn't been replicated in any. British Opens, U.S. Opens, anything like that, I, I still don't understand because it's really cool to watch how different a course can play uh, for for two different you know types of skills. And yeah, it speaks even more to like a lot of the issues that a lot of people have with equipment. I think and just seeing the playability of those two courses. But uh, uh, back to Nelly. Yeah, Nelly. I mean, I, I think first thing I think is her making the double on seven and then coming back with just ripping off. Uh, Three straight, three straight birdies right after that. Tom Mansky. could have it could have gone sideways for her right there, and that's where it, it. I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Feel like rooting for Nelly used to. That's where it went wrong. Yeah, I think you said that on Twitter. She yeah. it used to be a very stressful experience, and now it just looks like she, she, she kind of looks like a murderer now. Yeah, I mean she just looks very calm, and uh, I, I remember even at the Gainbridge, uh, which was her kind of her first win of the year and her first win. Kind of here on American soil, of course, we were doing the uh, 
the week in the life that week. So we were kind of right there as she was giving her post round press conference around the 18th green filming that. And I mean, she was like emotionally kind of shook by this idea of like holding on on a Sunday and, and claiming a title. And even in the short time since then, that was February, like, God, it really doesn't look like she feels that anymore. It feels like she, she's cracked the code a little bit. Won comfortably in Michigan, of course, won the major, uh, the, the KPMG women's PGA in Atlanta the following week. And now a gold medal. It's, it's the summer of Nelly, and it, it, it feels like I, I, it still feels like there's room for her to improve. Yeah. Like her skill set is so different than anyone else's out there. And as far as the shots she can hit, the distances she hits it, how well she puts it too. Like it, gosh, it is, I don't know. This does not feel like a blip on the radar. This feels like a, it could be a thing for many years. This might, might be a wildly unfair question, but is there a, uh, like, is there an equivalent in the male game? as far as like what she does great compared to the rest of the field or where she kind of like stands out. You know what I'm trying to say? Well, it's hard to tell because we don't have the stats with women's yeah. game, right? I, I try to make this comp on Twitter and it, it's a bit of a reach, but like I think it kind of works in that Nelly is, is Rom and Lydia Ko is Jordan Spieth in that Nelly is finally fully realizing her talent, has won her first major, is clearly, if there was a strokes gain stat, would clearly be number one on that just like Rom is. And, and also not like at least to my eye, like I probably don't watch it as closely as you do even, but not super top heavy in one stat, right? No. It's not like she just bombs it and no, like no, no. picks apart golf courses. Like it just seems that that's kind of why I ask is like, it just seems like she's just really fucking solid at everything. Nelly's game reminds me of Ernie L's. That's, that's the interesting. tempo, yeah. the height, the trajectory, all the kind of, you know, long languid putting stroke. Um, I don't know why I can't get that comp out of my head. That's shit, she shot 62 with a, Double on eight. <laughs> <laughs> and handicap, handicap management. I said this on Twitter too. She's like leaning on wedges and stuff. I'm like, oh gosh, she fanned that one. It's legit like three feet right <laughs> of the pin. Like her accuracy, it, again, it's not a bomb and gouge kind of thing. Like it, she just hits it. Gosh, her swing is maybe the best golf swing in the world. And a, a question here from uh, at huge, huge Bills fan. I feel like Nelly is a star. <laughs> Congrats on the Josh Allen uh, extension. <laughs> I feel like Nelly is a star who has drawn me into the women's game. I'm, I'm a diehard golf fan. What do you think the LPGA could do to try and use her stardom to grow the game? Also, do you think she has the potential to grow the game like Tiger, but not as much for the LPGA? I mean, I think they can do just, just let her – just Keep. yeah, just showcase her golf. I think right is yeah. is probably the biggest the biggest part. I mean, I, I always struggle with this isn't shot at anyone, but I I just don't know the quarters at all. I don't necessarily know what their personality is. I don't know if they're kind of like if they have a ton of outgoing personality. I mean, part of what made Tiger so. I think, God, comparing her to like <laughs> Tiger from a markability standpoint is, is so is fun, absolutely ridiculous. But uh, there was so much more go like context and personality, and everybody could kind of almost like project whatever they wanted onto Tiger, right? And Nelly and Jessica both kind of seem like absolutely great, delightful people. I don't know that much about them, but probably just kind of your your typical golf prodigies, right? And I think it's wildly unfair to try to turn someone like that into all of a sudden like like a Phil Mickelson. Like why don't you just be like be entertaining. Just be like a massive entertainer. Like that's such a unfair thing to ask. Such a different thing. Yeah. It's very different than like her being trained her whole right. life to get the ball in the hole. Exactly. And she's very good at that. She's not a dominant personality. She's not as far as I know super funny or super like that's she just seems not very well adjusted. Yeah. Yeah. That's not just not going to be the reality, right? Yeah. However, I think that they would be 
it would be very silly to not include either both Jessica and Nelly or you know Nelly or someone else in the next match or in yeah. a match. No, like, I totally agree. We have to get something mixed on the like entertainment wise that is going to draw people into the women's game to get them yeah. get it outside the normal mainstream. Get Provide it off the golf channel. Context. That's yes. what I was going to say. I mean, to to circle all that back to you know what can they do? It's like just keep putting into context how fucking good she is at golf. Yes. Show her golf skills. Right. Yes. And that's what I think everybody on the LPGA would say too. And they'd say the same thing about Jin Young Ko and and all these other people is like man. Just show how good they are at what they're doing. And and you have to put it in context with other players and with male players and with amateurs. And, like, it, it's one of those things that, like, I mean, once you see it, you can't unsee it, right? It, it's <laughs> well, but we got a very provocative question. I'm sorry I didn't save this one. But somebody asked, almost, <laughs> almost skipping past the first part of it, but which course would make the most sense for Nelly to play on the PGA Tour? Similar to how Annika played at Colonial. Probably similar to the ones that My head goes to like Harbor Town. Yeah, or... I would I would say uh, Wiley or I think Colonial. Colonial, could be still yeah, the probably answer. similar from the Annika and Michelle. We, you know, are we there yet recon. with Nelly? Is that a ridiculous thing to even recommend or like, explore? I I think would, she needs would to watch. Win. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but I think she needs focus on winning yeah. women's majors and yeah. dominating and all that, right? Um, you know, and and then I I think also like just just talking a little bit more about the competition, like. Watching Lydia, I mean, she a couple things go differently. Like when she when she hit the flag yeah, yeah. on that approach shot, she was freaking locked yeah. in. <laughs> it's um, been fun watching them duel yeah. this year. I mean, that's and, what, and yeah. I and it shows no signs of of letting up either. Um, I can't wait to watch I, tournament. I mean, Ryder Cup, of course, but tournament I'm I'm kind of most looking forward to is the Women's Open at Carnoustie. Just I just speaking personally, awesome I mean, I've probably tournament. watched Women's British Open. Sorry, that's, that's actually the name of it. Oh. So. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but I've probably watched more women's golf this year than than any previous year, and just seeing how the skills transfer is always always really interesting because I, I do think uh, partially because they are so freaking good at it. Like a lot of women play fairly robotic golf, right? I mean, they they're so good at when they need to hit it 82, they hit it exactly 82. And when they need to drive it in the middle of the fairway, they drive it in the middle of the fairway. And I think seeing whose skills transfer to Lynx golf and bouncy, weird, crazy golf, Lynx like course. I can't fucking wait to yeah. watch that. That's going to be so and fun. going back to context, giving people, like you've watched numerous tournaments at Carnoustie. And now this time you can right. you can watch you know similar shots and similar and that's um, the entire women's golf major slate into the future yes. looks like that yeah I mean it is not entirely I mean it's Pine Needles next year right for the U.S. Women's Open which is which will be great held too. a lot of yeah. U.S. Women's Open and will be great but like once they go to Pebble they're going to Baltusrol for the the LPGA they're going to the old course I think for the I'll I'll tweet out a whole after the British Open I'll tweet out a whole future. Uh, future women's sites, but it's a lot to be enough to be excited about. That's I think sure. one other point I had was just disappointing week for the South Koreans. Yeah. Um, you know, they had uh, Jin Young Ko T nine, say Young Kim T nine, uh, HJ Kim T 15 and then uh, NB T 23. So certainly not the, not the week that they were hoping for. Great shirts though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those were <laughs> sick. Yeah. It's low key been a, a quiet year, year yeah. and a half for the South Koreans and in, in, uh, in women's golf, and I think a lot of that speaks to COVID and them kind yeah. of being, you know, some of them playing more in Korea since the comeback and just a lot more complications that come with uh, world travel and, and that tour. But yeah, it's it's been a, a little bit of a of a power shift um, 
in in 2021. But and Mona Iname, yeah. 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 Shout out to her. Wins the silver medal. She hit the first shot uh, in playing in her whole country. Hit the first shot of the Olympics. It's probably not a name that a lot of Americans are familiar with. Hand up. I was not very familiar with was, it coming into this week. Uh, she's churned out seven wins on the Japan tour, and, and you know Tom Abbott made a great point on there too. It was like just that's. That's not a manipulator's tour. Like, that's a really good tour in women's golf. Um, and she's, I think, 28th ranked in the world coming into this week. And we don't hear her name a lot in the States. But uh, so congratulations I would, to I would her. also argue that it's a, it's a pretty strong tour on, on, on the men's side as well. But, you know. Just <laughs> yeah, look at the world ranking. Take that yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a big year for Japanese golf. For so real. Between Hideki, Nasa, and Iname. Like, yeah. That's awesome. I had Aditi Ashok mentioned yeah. her, but not a, lot of, not a lot of Indian golfers doing – Big stuff on the world stage. That was awesome to see. Uh, she was also paired with Madeline one of the days we were doing the uh, Week in the Life. Just really enjoyed enjoyed watching her. Absolute pro. Bum she didn't get a medal. But And then, of course, a shout-out to Sean Sean. If, if she truly is retiring, that's, I think, the last we're going to see of her, which is, a, which is a huge bummer. Ten-time winner on the LPGA, for a bronze medalist in Rio. Uh, possibly the best quote on the LPGA. Just absolute menace. Uh, Bummed, bummed to see her go. A few, a few opening round seventy fours that kind of, you know, make you think, what if? For Sean, Sean, Yuka Sasso shot openings around seventy four, and they they each finished about five or six shots off the pace. Yep. So, uh, on the Ashok note, India's prime minister. Anytime you get the attention of the prime minister, she, he tweeted out, "Well played, Aditi Golf. You've shown tremendous skill and resolve during Tokyo twenty twenty. A medal was narrowly missed, but you've gone further than any Indian and blazed a trail. Best wishes for your future endeavors." I always think that's cool when you have, you know, a country in some sport that is like truly like, yo, where is this coming from? Like, this is not yeah. what we are known for in any way. Like the attention that that garners in home countries is is a very strong positive. We touched on this a little bit last week of, of the Olympics that like the Olympics isn't it, golf in the Olympics isn't necessarily just for golf fans. Like it's oh, for totally. the individual countries and the, the programs that support these golfers as they, you know, from maybe from childhood on like a, that, you know, the Spanish Golf Federation is uh, whatever their actual name is is very responsible for John Rahm's development, and that's number one player in the world. So uh, I'm coming. I've come mostly around. I think on golf in the Olympics, I understand it better. I, I still don't think it's like you know. I still don't always know what I'm watching on the men's side in terms of what it means for greatness. But uh, I have more appreciation for its role uh, in the Olympics than I did when the Olympics started. Kind of like Rory. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to just always kind of boil down to money, right? I mean, as long as there's as much money as there is in the men's game, then it's going to kind of take a backseat in the men's game. Uh, and, it's you know, just funny is, to me that is the, what it is, I guess. That the PGA Tour is, is at the forefront. Like, they were the ones that were really, really, really lobbying for it, and they seem to be, you know, it's their players that are the ones that are kind of, hey, whatever, you know, yeah. it's just weird. And, of course, needless to say, a mixed event in this or a team event of some kind would be – much, much, much more entertaining. I think, you know, some people will point to exciting finishes of, in both to say like, hey, see, no, this is great. But like, I think that it is, it's, you can't just sit around, sit back and hope for a close and exciting finish because you don't always get that in 72 whole stroke play tournaments. It happened both times this week, but we see a lot of top players get together uh, a lot of the time and it does not equal that exciting. So I'll say it one more time. Just do like a 54 whole stroke play and then do, you know, like, and that's, that's, the top six or eight countries advance to this and you have a team competition after sure. that, or you have different, um, like swimming has how, you know, how many events, right? right. You, have, you have a, an, a alt shot 
you know, discipline, you have a best ball discipline, you have a co-ed discipline. Or cut, like, like yeah. you go to the track, if you're a track and field athlete, you go do semifinals, you do heats before you right. get there, and people yeah. go home. Like, yeah. you got to perform in those. Like, four rounds where everyone makes it all four rounds, just kind of, it just feels like a WGC in that regard. So, I don't know. I wonder if the men's field will get a little better. Just the next two Olympics are what, France and L.A.? Both I would guess. A little, a little more doable than Japan right in the middle of the season, especially L.A., obviously. So I, maybe they can build the schedule. You know, I know they obviously did this year by kind of trying to take a week off and or I guess they, they have an opposite field event. I don't know. Who cares? No, they did not. But they, but they were uh, – they're, they're trying to build the schedule. Uh, they're doing what they can. The, the tour is, I think. And I think a lot of that, it just speaks to literally it's just too much yeah. – too much golf, too much money, too much everything. You, you just can't keep they, everybody happy. They should happy. make it the WGC Olympics. That's well, they seems like they have an opening now. Talk uh, to your hitters at Grupo Salinas. Well, I think the the you know, just looking ahead, it's 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 like golf nasty now. But actually, watching the women play at Riv will be awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. totally. It's in twenty eight. So, where do you guys want to go next? We have other golf. We have uh, we can go back to Bryson. We could do some BM, uh, some Ryder Cup stuff. Other golf wise, we've got Eric Van Royen uh, getting out in front out in Reno right now. He's uh, he's currently a plus forty six. Just birdied the thirteenth hole. Uh, he's he's two ahead of Andrew Putnam and uh, four or five ahead of a slew of other guys. Um, big big day for Woodland. Twelve twelve points. Mm. So a lot of people, you know, a couple questions we got like, hey, why does you know they stick to one Stableford event they run? Why do they stick it in an opposite field event? Blah blah blah. Again, kind of going back to what we've talked about a lot on the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is full of forty-eight different tournaments. It is not full of. It is not one overarching tour that you know decides. Let's do this format and this one, this format and this one. It comes down to uh, sponsors, what they want to get out of the tournament, and not it. it the tour can't necessarily go to a sponsor and be like, all right, you got to fall on the sword and you got to be the team event. You, right. you got to fall on this and you got to be stable for it because we need this kind of balance. A lot of sponsors, for a lot of reasons, want four rounds of stroke play. And that's probably why we see that a lot. So it's not something that they just decide, all right, we'll stick this in the opposite field event. It's, you know, Barracuda and it's been a long time been a stable for an event. And that, you know, I don't know what to attribute that to. It's, it's a cool kind of variable, but. Uh, they're more to credit for that than they are the PGA Tour, I'd say. I'm also pumping my brakes on uh, different formats until I become a little more invested in the Zurich Classic. You know what I mean? Every year, really leading before the Zurich changed, I think a lot of, I'll say us, a lot of people were riding a lot harder for like, there needs to be more team golf, there needs to be more different formats, blah, blah, blah. And I I have been pretty apathetic about the Zurich Classic. So hand up on that one that it's, that hasn't solved all the problems. That's probably a pretty good segue to the schedule stuff. You want to do that first? You want, can we get to can we get to the junk scientist first? Sure. I feel like all I right. feel like people are, are are ready to ready to hear about this. This is this this feels like a long time ago, but from the earlier part in the week, from Kyle Porter's at CBS, Kyle Porter at CBS.com, uh, DeChambeau said he was not vaccinated when he contracted COVID-19 and that the virus created some fatigue and congestion as he quarantined at home. He also lost 8 to 10 pounds and 5 miles an hour on his ball speed. Nevertheless, he said he does not regret being vaccinated prior to the event in Tokyo. And of course, he does not regret not being vaccinated. Whatever I said. Okay, correct. Does not regret being unvaccinated prior to the event in Tokyo. DeChambeau said, told ESPN on Wednesday, the vaccine doesn't necessarily prevent it from happening. We'll get there. He says, I'm young enough. 
I'd rather give the vaccine to people who need it. I don't need it. I'm a healthy, young individual that will continue to work on my health. <sighs> Clinical trials of the uh, Moderna vaccines have consistently demonstrated high, this is from WebMD, uh, high effectiveness against COVID-19, but now a large real-world study confirms that a Pfizer, Biotech, and Moderna vaccines are more than 95% effective in preventing confirmed infection. So I, I think, all right, where I, where I fall out, it's certainly Bryson's right to not get the vaccine. I think he's well within his rights on that. I don't think that he needs to be like spewing misinformation, right? <laughs> of saying that, that, you know, I would rather, I would rather give the vaccine to people who need it, which infers that. That there's a shortage. Yeah. There's a shortage here in the United States, at right. least, right? Which is very, very, very much not the case. I, I'm, I'm totally with you. If you, listen, man, if you don't want to get it, don't get it. That's fine. But like, they're. I'm not down with that. Well, that's. It's a public. It, it, the point is that this is a contagious virus, right? Like, do I care necessarily about like Bryson's health if he chooses not to get it? If it was that simple, I'd be like, that's fine. That's your own personal decision. You missed the Olympics. I will not shed a tear for you. But like, that's fine. But it's, it, it has never been about how it's going to treat like young, healthy people, right? It's about the spread of it. And the Delta variant here is more contagious than the Alpha variant. And that's what's currently going on. And he dismisses all of that to like, again, be the most selfish you could possibly be about it. And to say like, I'm healthy, like I don't need it. And then also misinformation about the availability of the vaccines on top of it. Like what a complete asshole, like total asshole. Like that's such an asshole move. And it really, really pissed me off. Like for a lot of people that have, you know, done like done, feel like they've done their part when it comes to this virus and worn masks and gotten vaccinated to help prevent of it. Like to hear those quotes, like just like it just almost broke me. Like it was so frustrating. Well, it just goes to show you like how how big of a, you know, I, like I guess I'm not frustrated by it because A, I think the guy's a fucking idiot anyway. And like, I, I wouldn't take anything that he says with, you but know, as a public of, figure, people will. No, totally. And, and that's, that's the, and that's, and, and I think that's what I'm saying is like, yo, just, just don't open your mouth at all, dog. Like just, just like, you're, you're not talking to the media anyway. Why talk to him about this? Yeah. And he hasn't since, uh, he kind of stepped in here. He, man, I don't know who, it, yeah, he's got some questionable, uh, advice around him, I think. Or I don't, I don't, I don't think he listens. I don't to know anything. who's not telling him to just not do this stuff, but yeah, again, I, I'm not trying to like defend Bryson on any of this stuff, but like what is the, the PJ tour? I think said a number that I think 70% of players are vaccinated. So there's another 30% of players who like also should be in that same sentence then. Right. I mean, I know they're not out there talking about it, but it, it's, I don't know, man, it, it is a, a weirdly personal thing that I can have my own like personal, uh, massive disagreements with but it, it is really hard if it's not a like government mandated thing to have to go do it's hard to tell somebody to just stop being a dipshit uh when it's his choice to totally be a dipshit you know what he I mean? has every right to be an asshole yeah. and we have every right to call him an asshole for it that's where i net out yeah. on it like yes technically he does not required to do this but that doesn't put him above criticism for it no i i agree i i listen the kid got the vaccination. Yeah. I, I totally, I, know. Dis I totally disagree. But I also, it's like, I don't know. I, it's a, it's a yeah, weird we territory live, to wait. We live into. in an individualistic society. I think it's well within his rights. And like, I don't, I don't. <laughs> Possibly the most individualist country in the most individualist society. Yeah, and yeah. so you know, so I think it. You know, at some point, I think he's well within his right not to, not to have it. But like you guys said, I'm, you know, I don't think. A, I don't think 
it doesn't affect me whether he has it or not. It affects all of us when he opens his mouth with pretty unfounded bullshit. Yeah. So he also just, you know, tries to takes the extreme ends of both of both sides of the coin by saying like, if you're vaccinated, it doesn't mean you can't get it. It's like, well, yeah, well, it's 95% effective in it. And also acting like he couldn't possibly be harmed from it. There have been plenty of healthy fit people that have died from this virus. So you, if you want to take the extreme end of, 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 you know, the vaccinated part, you got to look at the extreme end of that side. Well, also, you can't play it to off. Take that a step farther. It's, it's not that, you know, yeah, you can get it. Like, that's not the deal. Like, if the fact is you're very, very, very likely to not have a bad experience, like a, a, a hospitalization with it, right? Like, yeah. like, that's the key here. Yeah, you may get it, but it prevents the hospitalizations, right? So I, I think, yeah. I mean, I hopefully he's, uh, I don't know. It, it's just, I know we keep saying this, but it's his decision to, whether he wants to get it or not get it, I obviously have my personal feelings on what he and everybody else should do, but as long as he's, you know, I guess accepting the massive consequences that come with not getting it, like missing the Olympics, then I don't really know what else to say. Well, as it relates to what's going on in the NFL currently with their vaccination policies and like looking ahead to the Ryder Cup as to you know, the potential was thrown out. This came from a Golf Week article that they're trying to figure out what the rules are going to be around COVID. They have it's pretty simple when it comes to PGA Tour golf. If you test positive for it, you are forced to withdraw. In team event, that gets a lot more complicated. Uh, options being considered, this is from Eamon Lynch's article, options being considered include forfeiting effective players' point in Sunday singles matches and possibly even having alternate players on site for each team. And it seems like they're kind of caught with their hands. You know, totally. They're kind of caught with their pants down of like, whoa, like this timeline on vaccination. <laughs> we should get this figured out. Is like now yeah. if we are going to have any kind of policy of any kind. And on some level, it kind of feels like just don't have a policy because you're going to have tens of thousands of fans, you know, on site. Who that, aren't vaccinated. Who, you know, who yeah, are and aren't vaccinated, right. right? And at this point, it's like, to me, what does it matter if, if the 12 guys in the team room and their caddies are, you know, 12 guys plus the assistant captains and everything, that's on them, right? That's what I keep coming back to is like, dude, as long as <laughs> this sounds so flippant and stuff, but it's like, yeah, if you don't want to get the vac the vaccine, that's that's all your prerogative. But like, yeah, if you get kicked out of the Ryder Cup, then I have no fucking sympathy for you. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> like, yeah, PGA, bolster the rules, man. Do what you got to do. Like, I'm I'm all for it. But yeah, people need to have some personal responsibility, I guess. In this, on that note, you want to talk a little Ryder Cup? Would love to. Sure. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our partners at BMW, who are a global partner of the Ryder Cup and a partner of ours, and have. Uh, Kindly sponsored these segments uh, throughout the course of the year as we've talked about the Ryder Cup at every possible possible stop. How are captain's picks shaping up on the U.S. side? Have you? I gave you guys a little homework assignment yeah. to come up with your captain's pick picks as of right now. These six are in as of now on points. Colin Morikawa, Dustin Johnson, Bryson, Kepka, JT, and Xander. And as of, as of the time recording this, the standings have not been updated. Uh, Spieth is seventh. I was conceding a spot to him. And Harris English at ninth prior to this week, I was also conceding a spot to him. You can convince me otherwise. So uh, those are my, I think those eight, fully on board with those eight. Fully on board with those. Co-sign me as well. Who are your four added so picks? Before we say. go into the picks, just to read off kind of the next the next list, this is seven through ten, seven through twenty here is so these are people not already qualified who are theoretically kind of really, really heavily in contention for these six spots. Spieth, Reed, Harris English. Patrick Cantlay, DB Straight Vibin, Tony Finau, Webb Simpson, Scott Scheffler, Jason Kokrak, who's all in, Bill Horschel, uh, Phil Mickelson, Max Homa, Sam Burns, and Will Zalatoris. 
I'm surprised Kokrak's still eligible. I thought he'd taken up Saudi citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be, God, that's going to really come back to bite him when uh, the PJ Tour does a great of his release next year. And we're going to get to that <laughs> on the schedule. Uh, you know, I'm going. Should we, should we all, should we go around the table? Who, sure. I'm going to hear all, let's go. You can go first, each if you want, or Tron. You're, you, you're anxious to go. I'm what are your four picks? I'm at the bit. I got, well, you're Team Euro, so are you just going to pick four shitty guys? No, no, no. Is Phil on your team? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I have four guys, and I feel like rock solid about them. And okay. you know what? I, I apologize to Team Reed. I apologize. You know, use golf facts. You can get at me. You know, we can we can have a dialogue about it on Twitter. Tron, uh, or should I? do I mean troll? Troll Carter. Uh, <laughs> you know where to find me. Uh, so no offense to Reed, Cantlay, Finau, but I'm going Burger. First and foremost, I think Berger has earned it. He's been so freaking solid since the restart last year. Um, just like consistently one of the best players in the world. Played great this week. Uh, I think you know what you're getting out of him. Next, I'm going Scott Scheffler from a strokes gain perspective, from a length perspective. Kind of guy that I think his game sets up for whistling straights. Plus, you know, th- those are two guys that I think you want to get some experience for. Uh, I think all the, you know, veteran stuff is complete bullshit. Next, I'm going Sam Burns. I think Sam Burns' game translates to whistling straights as well. Played really, really well throughout the year this year, coming in hot. And then lastly, I've got Will Zalatoris, who's, in my opinion, one of the top 15, 20 players in the world, and there's no reason why he shouldn't be on the team. We had almost identical teams. Mm. Yeah. Yes. I also had Spieth, also had Harris English, also had Daniel Berger for all the reasons you mentioned, also had Scotty Scheffler for all the reasons you mentioned, also had Sam Burns for all the reasons you mentioned, uh, but I did not have Zal Torres. I can't unsee some of the putts, yeah. and I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him at the Ryder Cup. I, I think that's uh, some NC seventeen stuff that can't be put on broadcast TV. I had Webb, kind of a you know, boring talk about like knowing what you're going to get, just absolutely rock solid. I know he hasn't been quite as good as he's been, you know, kind of earlier this year, but. Webb seems like a guy that, you know, when you are kind of in my hypothetical theoretical team, when you are injecting the Scheffler, Sam Burns, Daniel Bergers. You're uh, saying you don't want all rookies. Harris Englishes of the world. Like, I think Webb kind of balances the scales a little bit. Interesting. I'm going to join you guys on Spieth out on a limb there. Uh, I'm going to join you guys on Harris English. Cantlay, got to be on the team. The numbers just are impossible to ignore. He is one of the few guys that's over two strokes gained uh, total over the past three months. He went 2-0 and in foursomes at Royal Melbourne. I think he's a great foursomes partner on a team that needs foursome players. Okay, truly, tr- I'm really trying to think a, a step ahead on you know how these pairings are going to come out in this extremely hypothetical scenario that has zero impact on the team and will, of course, change over the next month. I'm also picking this team as if we're going to play this event next week, which I think is important, right? Yeah. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, absolute force this year, does everything well, no weaknesses. His strokes gain numbers are great over the last three months, even better over the last six months. Should be a great course fit. Whistling straights, say no more. Thank you, Sally. I appreciate that. Uh, Daniel Berger, straight vibing, criminally underrated player. People don't appreciate how good that guy is. Great strokes gained over the past three months, six months as well. He's fourth among all all Americans, including, again, all all Americans over the last six months in strokes gained, fourth. So. Kind of a, uh, a he is the the standard case for why the Ryder Cup rankings are so bad. And for my final pick, please say Kokrak. You know, I checked in the beginning and let the table get <laughs> yes! around with some bets. I'm all in. <laughs> Jason Kokrak, 
His game suits the course. Know, game suits the course wonderfully. He is one of the best Americans over the last three months, one of the best Americans over the last six months. It's checking a lot of boxes for me. Uh, this is kind of that one that he's obviously going to need to finish this year playing some great golf, finish the playoffs playing some great golf, and kind of beat down the door to get on the team. I don't think there's enough there for, to actually make these captains that don't have any balls actually pick him over Reed. Uh, so do over I Reed and Webb and Fina. And Zalatoris, a lot, but just going by the rankings, right? It, again, the rankings are are horrible because <laughs> Webb has been very pedestrian over the last three months, as has Finau. Like his his flame has just flickered out. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, I've, I've, I'm happy to acknowledge that. Reed is poison and has not beaten down the door enough. Like he has not played good enough golf to demand being on that team. And for some reason, everybody but me forgets what he did with the last time he was on a team. Um, <laughs> So I think what that gives us is a foursomes lineup that looks something like this. JT and Spieth makes a lot of sense. Sure. Uh, Xander and Cantley seems to be a pairing that has to happen no matter what. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why, but that those two just seem linked. Uh, they won two foursomes matches in at Royal Melbourne. Morikawa and Kepka, I think, is an interesting pairing. Would uh, watch. Would watch. Scotty Scheffler and Dustin Johnson. I think those are my yeah. those are my four ball teams right there. Bryson definitely sitting for that. Um, no way Bryson plays a foursomes match. Oh, I thought you said for four ball. So going no, back, foursomes. Yeah. going back through, you did, you did Berger, Kokrak, Cantlay, and, and who was your fourth? Scheffler and Scheffler. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think English could slot in pretty well for a foursomes. Uh, he he is solid, no weaknesses. I I don't pretend to know what exactly makes a good foursomes player, but I know it's not what Bryson does. Uh, I feel like some of it's just like yo, like just go out and play good golf. Like yeah. we're we're yeah. putting way too much stock into this. Where that's where I net out on on Zalatoris, right? It's like he's just really freaking good, and like you know, granted, I'm, I'm probably not sending him out in foursomes, but I'll send him out in in uh, four ball. Yeah, it just his his putting is a true weakness. It's not just like the little yip, you know, that we saw the last time out. But uh, he is he's one of the wor- of all the guys in the running. Him and Morikawa are the like the the bad putters, and it, it just seems like in his first big crazy full long PGA Tour season, he's running out of steam a little bit. He's not he's not been the force that he was when he you know basically in the wraparound part of the season. Be and, so sick if he made the Ryder Cup team and wasn't eligible for the playoffs. <laughs> That would be an all-time coup. He just like hasn't been as good as somebody like Scheffler, you know, like not yeah. really even close. And, and so, if we're taking like a young kind of prodigy adjacent player, uh, you know, another guy who was really high up on my list that you know I've not heard anyone talk about is Brian Harmon. Yeah, he would make a ton of sense, I think, both for whistling, whistling straight. I think so. What? <laughs> yeah, the dude's I, a bulldog. I, 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 I love nobody loves yeah. Harmon. I love Harmon. But like it's whistling he's not straight like long, seems like a, but he's he's a positive, he's like a good driver of the golf ball, he's straight driver of the golf yeah. ball, yeah. Which like, I think you know, especially in foursomes, I think would be good. I just go back to watching the like Jason Day just bomb it over those dog legs, and and you know, and granted, I'm, I imagine the U.S. will set it up so that distance is a massive, massive factor. Oh, I, I definitely, right? I would, I would agree with that. So but, you would think they would want guys that are going to fit their their stated strategy or intent. Right? I'm, I'm just saying he was on my radar. That's okay. all I'm saying. No, I love that. That's all I'm saying. Um, I do you guys think they're actually going to skip over Patrick Reed? No. I don't either. I they I think they have absolutely no plan for managing the personalities of this team. Like, it could the, be a, a colossal shit show. There's nothing that would, like, just 
going, I did, I did not feel like the U S was going to lose the Ryder cup until I interviewed Paul McGinley. And he talked about managing the individual players on the European team. I was just like, Oh yeah, they we're not doing any of that. Like imagine <laughs> the Stricker, task force is total bullshit. Oh yeah, right? totally. Okay. It's like how they corporatize this event into which corporate decisions are just like, all right, let's all get in a room and make the most bland possible decision we could. So we can be, you know, cannot be criticized. Like that's pretty much what the ta- task force is. That's why they'll come up with like, some computer generated task force is a perfect name for it then. Yeah. So many like presidential task forces (laughs) on this or that. But like imagine Stricker, like going to Bryson to like manage him and be like, yeah, just so you know, you're going to play two matches that you're going to play with this, like this person. And this is how we're going to do it. Justine's not allowed the team room. Imagine doing him (laughs) managing Reed with any, like that's just not going to happen. So they're going to, they're going to throw a bunch of talent out there and hope they play great golf. Uh, I don't know if that's a good formula for winning the Ryder cup, but We'll see. I think that's totally what their model is going to be. They should lean in and just make Justine the captain. Justine or Toto Wolf? Yeah, one of those two. Can we talk about the the uh, Europeans a little bit? I think sure. we're, we're 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 giving them short shrift. So I think their picks make a, like net out really easily, though. So you, so on the Europe points, you've got Rom, Fleetwood, Hatton, and Fitz, Fitzpatrick, and Rory. No, Rory's fourth. Rory's fourth on that one. Yes. Unless oh, it, oh he is. You're yeah. right. You're right. Okay. Uh, so European points. Yes. Okay. So yeah, Rom, Fleetwood, Hatton, and Rory there. Fitzpatrick, and then on the world points, you've got Hovland, Casey, Fitzpatrick, Westwood, and Lowry. Correct. A like, if I'm the U.S., I'm basically setting it up so that a guy like Fitzpatrick, whose game is, you know, from, from a driving perspective, yeah. is somewhat similar to like a Brian Harmon. I'm setting it up so like he's at a massive disadvantage, and for sure, you know, he's I, I love Matt Fitzpatrick, but like for the Ryder Cup, he's kind of been it's been a tough scene for Europe yeah. last. So I think he might need to take a knee. Um, I'm going with Big Bob McIntyre, Pultz, and Sergio. Yeah, I, I think it's Pultz and Sergio. I would I would just have to imagine have two of the picks. I don't think they're going to take Big Shot Bob over Justin Rose, but. Um, they really only have one pick, I think, to make. I would, by all accounts, I would imagine that Sergio and, and Poulter are going to be on that team. Uh, and then I, th- I think you know, looking at it otherwise, the the guy that can make it kind of interesting would be if uh, Victor Perez snuck in somehow. Uh, I don't know where or like with world points. I don't know. He's he's one behind, or he's he's twenty points behind Lowry again. I'm not sure what that signifies or whatnot, but. Um, you know, with with European tour events upcoming and everything. Yeah. Can you explain the difference? European world, how do they... So, yeah, the European... It basically, it's like you have the European points, right? It's mainly designed Euro for guys tour. that play European tour for the most part, but they only give four spots away to that. So it's the top four on that list no matter what. And then they go the next five on the world points, which is basically like your world ranking. Who are not otherwise, not otherwise qualified. Correct. Okay. So that's how they get the nine slots and then with three captains picked. So in that so. case, Victor Perez is kind of right on the edge. Yeah, totally. that's what he's saying. Yeah. He's one spot out right yeah. now. And he's got a he's long as shit. And he's got a pretty good game for whistling straights. Uh, the guy that just didn't I was expecting a lot more yeah, just a lot more out of him this year is is Peters. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just, just a, we expected a lot out of him after twenty sixteen that just never really fully blossomed, I think. Uh, Perez has not had a good run. MC T fifty nine, MC, MC, yeah. MC. So it will be interesting if he's, he's he's got a lot of points out of the match play still from March. So it will be interesting if he does sneak his way in really off not much playing for him coming in. But I mean, talk about Team Rose. You got you got T forty six at the open. 
T36 at Travelers, missed the cut at the U.S. Open, T20 at Colonial or Charles Schwab, uh, T8 at PGA Championship, MC at Valspar, 7th at Masters. Like, A, he's not playing at all. B, he's just not playing very well. Yeah. Something about some of those dudes that just flip it on, though, when it comes to this event. They play not scared, and we play scared. So experience on their side, I think, does matter. I really do. I just don't think it matters on the U.S. side because a lot of that experience has been shitty. So tour schedule. Let's do it. The new tour schedule came out earlier this week. Uh, I'll highlight. I'll quickly go through some of the main highlights from it. A lot of this will be uh, a lot of these notes will be pulled from a Golf Digest article. Uh, down to two WGCs. There is no more WGC slash Mexico uh, slash concession. Um, I'd like to you know formally just console my friend here, uh, TC, who represents Grupo Salinas. Um, Grupo Salinas is, has taken over title sponsorship of the PGA Tour Latino America points uh, thing, though. Huge Which is massive. Yeah. Didn't, didn't realize so, that. So. But, like, if you're going to get rid of the WGCs, please get rid of HSBC. Right. They kept the only stroke play, the least important stroke play, when I would that say. That tournament blows. The uh, FedEx St. Jude uh, becomes a playoff event. That means the Northern Trust is going away. Okay. Uh, okay. Which I think that makes sense with FedEx moving to, I think we've talked about moving the FedEx to like the tour championship, yeah. but on some level, I think that makes sense. Totally. Makes way more sliding sense. Sliding them in there. And I think this is a great development for a lot of longstanding tournaments. The WGCs have just felt plastic from the get-go. And I think there is some soul to events like Bay Hill, to Genesis, yeah. to Memorial, and they get all kind of washed uh, when you have so many, you know, all these events that you're supposed to care about a lot, like seeing some of these WGCs go away and seeing some of the love get spread out to something like the new Genesis Scottish Open, which is now a co-sanctioned event with the European Tour. I think that's a great development for golf fans. Totally agree. I, I don't think it means great things for the Scottish Open. I think Renaissance is a factor. I think it's going to be the course. I think especially with a bigger yeah. a bigger infrastructure coming to the event, I think that is a big requirement for it. I don't foresee a big link swing, unfortunately, which we can talk about that when we get the Irish Open as well. Uh, we can do that right now when well, I say... Well, I thought, I thought it was interesting that they put the Barbasol opposite the uh, Genesis Scottish Open because then that is... They're basically conceding that, hey, we're going we're gonna to give some European tour members some spots in the Barbasol as a kind of a, a olive branch for giving additional PGA Tour player points starts, and player yeah. starts on their tour. And then I think it also makes sense because they were they were looking to do they've got Barbasol and Barracuda I think back to back back as, to back as co-sponsored events exactly so those are those go up against the Scottish Open and the Open Championship and so with that in mind there's going to be also two co-sanctioned European Tour and PGA Tour events in the U S during those two events which I think is again good developments for for both tours and makes it worthwhile for European tour players to travel over and play in those events if they're not getting two starts uh, in the Scottish Open and British Open. PGA Tour is, this is one I don't really fully understand, but the PGA Tour is bolstering the Irish Open by contributing to a near doubling of its prize money to $6 million in 2022, though that event has not, uh, has yet to establish its dates or venues, nor will it be co-sanctioned. Which almost feels like, I mean, I'm totally guessing, but it almost feels like they're kind of setting the table to do the same thing as yeah. what they're doing with the Scottish Open this year, right? I would and, think so. And make that a true kind of bang, bang, bang uh, over in Europe, which would be awesome. At some point, that just needs to be like the Diageo 
Guinness Irish Open, right? <laughs> Dubai duty-free Guinness Irish Open. Yeah. That's one I'm holding out a little bit of hope for a Lynx course, but again, more money being thrown at it means bigger footprint, which means harder to find a Lynx course. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't pretend to know how all that works. I just know it almost always ends with disappointment for golf fans in that regard. But I think no matter what, seeing the top American players play over in Europe more frequently is a good thing yeah. for golf. Yeah, of course. So. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how, when the European tour schedule comes out, to see how they treat the the Middle East swing, you know, and the how all-encompassing that is and how many events they have over there in a row. Obviously, the Saudi element of it now, too. That's not going to be as sanctioned. So from Golf Digest, again, the future of the WGC series could be complicated by a Saudi-backed group's recent investment in the Asian Tour, widely seen as the next step in an attempt to shake up the landscape of professional golf that includes a potential rival tour. The WGCs are put on by the International Federation of PGA Tours, which includes the Asian Tour, and the PGA Tour has taken a firm stance against cooperating with groups that seek to challenge its position at the pinnacle of professional golf. In a related move, the tour, according to a report last week, indicated that it will not grant players event releases for next year's Saudi International. Looking at you, Kokrak. After the European Tour ceased to sanction it on its schedule. Sanction me. Sucks for Phil. I know he loved that event so much. Well, he already His saw hometown the, event. Yeah, he already saw <laughs> practically a home game. He already saw the views. I think right. that was he was big in, into seeing the views of the Red Sea. Uh, uh, well, I, I think it like it it goes with saying too. It's like it's not like this is a hashtag strategic alliance. It was a hostile takeover by the PGA Tour of the European Tour, and but I do you know I I gotta hand it to the to the Saudis. That's a good little backdoor into like buying, basically buying the Asian tour and then having, you know, however many events they're going to have in Saudi Arabia or we'll see how it shakes out. No pun intended, but uh, <laughs> I have to slide that one in there. But, you know, it's like they've, they've still got, I think next year it's interesting too. You've got waste management and pebble flip-flopped next year. And then I think it, it it's also interesting. There's not a single PGA tour event in Boston, New York, Chicago, three of the biggest cities in the country. Yeah. Kind of wild, right? Very, very little golf in the Northeast other than the Travelers and I guess BMW's going to Wilmington. Wilmington. So that's kind of Philly. Next year. But, you know, I'm sure the Wilmington people jump down my throat at that. But you're you're an hour down the road from Philly. Is the Canadian open on the schedule? We're back. Okay. Yeah. They're at St. George's. That'll be a good one. There is a TBD Mexico event. I don't know if you mentioned that crossing our fingers as hard as we possibly can uh, that we're going back to Chapultepec. I think we've all warmed up in a massive way to that golf course. Would love to see that back on the schedule. So fingers crossed there. And then I think also you got the 3M rocket mortgage moves to late July. It's 3M rocket mortgage and Wyndham kind of all back to back to back to to, uh, close it out there. And John Deere and and going in kind of late June and that pre, first yeah, week pre, of July, pre Scottish Open. Yeah, so pre- that'll be a bit of a different different date as well. Yeah, you should you should you would think that that would help the John Deere field, which I know is is an exciting thing for. Kind of fun. They've got a little New England swing this year between Brookline and then Cromwell. That's true. I forgot the uh, I forgot the U.S. Opens up there as well. Yeah. Puerto Rico Open used to be opposite of WGC. Now will be opposite of Bay Hill, leading to you know implication that. that those events are being further elevated, which I can't go any. I, I'm sort of yeah. already pulled over. Already can't, pulled over. Can't pull over any further. Can't pull over any further. Uh, so, also worth noting Wells Fargo at TPC Potomac because Quail Hollow has the uh, 
the President's Cup. Sure. I can't wait to get a look at Quail Hollow at the President's Cup. It's just it's just a super secretive golf course that I can't wait to familiarize myself with for match play. It's going to be so exciting. TPC Potomac's sweet though. Isn't that where it was? It was playing. It was firm sweet. as fuck that one year. Remember that? Our our friend, of, uh, of course, Stephen Britton. Stephen Britton. He's got the boys he's, playing hard he's out there. Since, he's, he's since moved on down to uh, Chevy Chase Club, but um, hopefully but, he left his playbook out. But yeah, I think they like legitimately. I think the membership was like, yeah, you can turn this place up as much as you want. That uh, was that was awesome. So also some some interesting sentences at the end of that Golf Digest article about uh, possibly revisiting the wraparound schedule and and some of those. I you know obviously. Nothing concrete in there and nothing even really tip in their hand, but my reading of it almost was like, you know, it, it sounded like the wraparound schedule would kind of be going away a little bit, uh, possibly leaning more towards a more traditional calendar year, which I think everybody would be pretty massive thumbs up for that, but much more to come there. I feel like you almost make the, like, transfer the European tour, at least with the with the Middle East swing, and with, uh, you know, you could incorporate Australia into this, you could incorporate... Um, I'm trying to think where else, you know, some of the Spanish events, like doing some of that kind of opposite field, building that out a little bit, right? Which I or, wonder, or, or fall season kind of thing. Which I wonder, is there an opportunity to make the fall season it's a separate season? Like almost like an optional thing. Like, do you want to play in this sprint for the FedEx, you know, or I wonder FedEx if that, bowl? Or I wonder if that's what kind of the PGL type stuff turns into, is if, if it almost becomes like a, hey, do whatever you want, you know, Basically, the PJ Tour season is going to be from Kapalua to Tour Championship, and after that, you know, we'll have kind of a hand in certain things. But you know, I almost wonder if they turn that those couple months into almost like free for all golf. That's a complete total guess, but uh, I don't know. That just some interesting interesting yeah. lines seems, in in that article. It seems like the biggest. It seems like the biggest changes are coming that in twenty three. Right. Like it seems like there's there. You know, there's it's just there's not enough time to get all this stuff done from between all the COVID rescheduling and all this to, to you know, kind of where they want to be. Uh, but the two biggest themes for me are the, the it seems like a repudiation of the WGCs and of Fincham's kind of dream on that front. And then B, just kind of, you know, with Monaghan being a Boston guy and with they're, they're kind of forfeiting the New York area to um, to the majors yeah. and the Ryder Cup, um, you know, and then... The fact that like the fact that there's not a PGA Tour event in the Pacific Northwest just blows my mind too. Those people are golf crazed up there. But I think it also just goes to like like we were saying with the Barracuda and the Stableford format, right? It's it's more about sponsorship than it is yeah. like overall tour. I, that's what I would guess, right? I mean, you know, do you, if you have somebody that's going to put up the money and you could go play in states that are not like. Not as highly taxed yeah. as New York yeah. and Massachusetts, and I don't think the WGCs went away because of like conceptual uh, rejiggering. Like I think it was just they got so freaking expensive that yeah. it's like I, what's I the point of who... paying twice as much for yeah. WGC when when actually your name's not even on it as right. much. Yeah, um, but but like you know, there's not a whole lot of tech companies that they're digging into. They're like to see a a bank like Northern Trust bail on this is super interesting and. Sorry to that, and like Houston doesn't have a, they still don't have a, a sponsor on here. It, it was, it's not like the Vivint Houston Open. It's the, it says, it says the Houston Open. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if they signed. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I don't, I, I don't, 
I really don't know why they would go away from those markets. I'm trying to understand that, but maybe they just that didn't serve them great being in them. Yeah. And they never consistently went to Chicago or anything like that, which I always found curious. Which is always but, wild, yeah. But it maybe the bigger the biggest cities are not the 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 best places for them to operate for whatever reason. I really don't know the answer to that. But it's um, just wild. Like they've got the Texas Open, the Byron Nelson, Charles Schwab Challenge, the the Houston event. Match play. And match play. They have five events in Texas. Texas seems like the the most bloated. A a target-rich environment. Yeah, especially playing two of them in May, which are one of the worst months for golf in in Dallas, but in the Fort Worth area. Um, And then the last thing I had was CJ Cup will be played in Vegas for the second straight year with the Summit Club taking over for Shadow Creek. Uh, It does the event. Plans to return to South Korea in the future as the first leg of the three-tournament Asian swing. Then the Zozo, which was at Sherwood last year, will return to Narashino Golf Club outside Tokyo. I don't know why one is going back to Asia and one is not, but, uh, again, that's individual sponsor, probably related decisions. And They are holding the uh, CJ folks to that deal. I can't imagine they're, <laughs> they're all that pleased with, you know. Geeked about Vegas. Yeah, for, you know, two years in a row. Anything else? I was going to say Jensen Castle won the U.S. Women's Am. Uh, that was well, some really good golf being played. Yeah. I only got to watch a couple of holes of that in the uh, little coverage gap today. But uh, She was two down after the first 18. She and was. And then she defeated Vivian Vivian Howe, is that how you say it, uh, in, the, uh, in the championship match at Westchester, which looked like it was playing pretty damn awesome, uh, just the firmness of those greens. Uh, women's Scottish this week at Dunbarney. First look at Dunbarney. That's right. It'll be on in the mornings each day on Golf Channel, seven to eleven Eastern. We have the Wyndham coming up uh, this year, this this week as well, which will be long, long, long time coming to decide who will be on the PGA Tour next season. Uh, who in the to- who will be in the top one twenty five? Um, which there's some guys. I think if you're looking at at FedEx Cup, you've got. I know he's you know. Ricky Fowler at 125. You've got... Uh, Did we figure out if he's exempt? I, I don't know. I'm sure they'll carve out a Grant Thornton exemption or something. Well, I guess him. he would have the career money list career, exemption he could yeah. use. But you only get to use that once. Uh, right. I'm sure he would not... He'd love to save that Did one. Did they change it? Don't you get a top 50 and a top 25? Or is he not top 25? Uh, you do get one of each, I think. But he's not top 25. Yeah. He should be though, right? No, I don't. So the bubble's typically what? Like goes down to what? Like 118, 119 ish. So you've got Bryce Garnett at 118, Woodland at 119. This is prior to Reno, and I think this is not updated yet. But um, then you've got Woodland, Kucher at 120, Bo Hogue at 121, Stallings at 122, Adam Scott at 123, Lashley at 124, Ricky Fowler at 125, and then Patrick Rogers, Vijegas, Hadley, Percy. Charles Howell the third. Um, Howell the third is a wild one for somebody that's yeah. never lost their never lost their tour card. He's not. I'll had tell a very you what a wild season. one is, and like I guess for some of these guys, it doesn't really matter because they've won. Um, like a Michael Thompson, you know, he's still. But like Michael Thompson, it feels like he's been involved in a lot of events this year. For him to be one thirty two, right. Fleetwood's one thirty three, Rose one thirty four, Austin Cook thirty one thirty five. Um, yeah, just kind of some some, you know, Bo Hostler one forty five. Rory Sabatini, 138, despite winning the silver medal. Ricky, by the way, number 24, career earnings. Okay, so he's got a couple exemptions to yeah. use. But. Uh, Jimmy Walker, 163. Tyler Duncan, 165. It seems like he was very involved on in the fall swing. And then uh, Corn Ferry goes to Omaha. 
for the big one. This is a two-year like yeah. so. So the guy that won this week, Josh Creel, he moved up from sixty-fourth to thirty-second. He won this week, and he's not even in the top twenty-five, which is bananas. We're looking at a a big sample size. Big Massive big sample, sample size. size. Really, season. really. I don't know if it's going to translate into things being, you know, very like tough, like kind of not as much movement as we would normally see, at least within on the on the twenty-five bubble. But you've got some guys on the seventy-five bubble as well, because um, that's that's definitely an underrated thing. Like even getting into the Corn Ferry Finals and then the, sh- you know, the shrimp currently number seventy-six. I know, I know. Some of the guys on this, God, some of the guys on this uh, list of the twenty-five have played forty events that are that are counting. That's a <laughs> God. If, if you like watching some massive heartbreak. Uh, this year's going to be even more heartbreaking. And, yeah. And you also have guys in the PGA Tour trying to get in the top 200 to make it into the Corn Ferry Finals, right. which there's another path to getting more tour cards. So. Yeah, like, On the Corn Ferry Tour route, of course, always rooting for our guy Justin Lauer, currently number 27. 29 after this week. 29 after this week. So like a like, couple, couple guys, Taylor Montgomery, and then uh, somebody else re- like, kind of bumped up to from 29 to 24. Uline went from 30 to 25. Um, so it's it's... It's a. It's going to be very, very interesting. And then the seventy-five list, and then even even on like the the one twenty-five to two hundred side on the PGA Tour, there's going to be some some shuffling there because if you're outside the two hundred, you don't get into right. Corn Ferry Finals. Mm. So this is like one of my favorite weeks of, <laughs> of watching every year. It's a glorious so. madness. It's forthcoming here. So I think that about wraps it. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, fun to get back in the saddle. Thanks everyone for letting us get away for a couple weeks and uh, do do a little bit of filming. Some content to come. As long as as soon as we get right back in the editing chamber, right? Yeah, and and just before we even get to that content, we got a, a full strapped to edit as well. That's right. So uh, we'll have strapped. We'll have tour sauce. We've got a, another BMW project we've got coming out uh, around the Ryder Cup. It's it's truly going to be a, a content sweepstakes. So uh, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel. Look forward to that. Yeah. No laying up if you're not already. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks, boys, for another fun evening in the Kill House. And we'll see you back here at this time next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect-